Welcome to Inspirational Cafe. I'm your host, Miss Dorothy. God bless you. Today's episode, we have a wonderful speaker and teacher, uh, truly a awesome man of God, goes by the name of Brother George Finch. However, Brother George is a has been in the ministry for a very long time. Um, not only um, walk, working in leadership and living a wonderful example of his own life, I uh, look forward to many more lessons. But this is a lesson from his personal desk study. And I just wanted to, we wanted to bring that to you today. So God bless you. And after the sponsor, we will go right into the teaching from the desk of Brother George. God bless. Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it already is established in heaven. Father, we bless you, we praise you, we glorify you. We thank you, Father, for Jesus. Jesus, you are our Lord. You are our Savior. Hallelujah. From the beginning of time, you have come. You have stepped into time. For you were not of time, but you stepped into time. For unto us a son is born. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Hallelujah. You was given to us, Jesus. For our revelation, hallelujah, that we may know you in your brightness, hallelujah. Father, we thank you for you ordained it before the beginning of time, hallelujah. For before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. So, Lord, we bless your name, we praise your name, hallelujah. We glorify you, Father. We thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. We worship your name. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Hey, Kondi Hadadabakande said the introduction to Ephesians at a glance. The author is Paul. The audience is the church of Ephesus and the surrounding areas. The date is AD 60 and 62. The type of literature, the type of literature, a letter. The major theme, salvation and grace, God's power. Church, uh, well, let's go back to the major theme: salvation and grace, God's power, church unity, and Christian conduct and unity. The outline, letting the outline letter opening in chapter one and two, and go okay about Ephesians. What are you? What you are about to read is meant to be taught to every church. It is the constitution of, of our faith. The great summary description of all that is precious and esteemed in Christian doctrine and Christian living. Paul firmly plants the cornerstone of our faith in this powerful letter, cementing it in in a few pages. The position and authority of the church overall, of the forces in it, Paul brings before every believer the mystery of the glory of Christ. The theme of Ephesians is that God will one day submit everything under the leadership of Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church and the fullness of God in human flesh. He is 
He gives his church extraordinary power to walk filled with the Holy Spirit, revealing the nature of God in all things. Jesus loved the church and cherished everything about her. We are the church. He is the one who brings Jews and non-Jews into one body. The church is God's new humanity, one new man. It is the new temple where God's glory dwells. And the church is the bride of Christ, the beloved partner who is destined to rule with them. How wonderfully he blessed his bride with gifts from above. He gives us both men and women grace to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who will feed and encourage the church to rise higher. The greatness of God streams from Jesus Christ into the hearts of every believer. These are the grand themes of Ephesians. I have always loved the apostle, the apostolic prayers of Paul, especially those found in Ephesians. I have prayed nearly every day for 40 days that God will impart to me the spirit of revelation and the spirit of wisdom to guide my life and my family and my ministry. God is good to give the Holy Spirit's fullness to those who ask with sincere hunger for more. Amen. The purpose of this book, we are excited. We are, what an exciting letter Paul has written to us. Ephesians is full of life and his words reach higher in Christian thought than any letter in our New Testament. Full of living revelation, it simply drips with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, where most of Paul's letters are addressed to churches facing specific issues dealing with belief and practice. This isn't the case with Ephesus. There is more general theological, a reflective tone to this letter that it is meant to ground, shape, challenge believers, mainly gentle in their faith. Hmm. Author and audience. Paul wrote this letter about A.D. 60 while he was in prison in Rome and sent it with Tychicus as a circular letter that was to be read to all the churches. Originally, there were no titles on Paul's letters. There were, they were gathered and the titles were assigned according to where they were sent. Then they were published for the churches as a group. And none of the earliest Greek manuscripts did the words Ephesus or Ephesians occur. It was simply added in the margin next to the main text in the first copies made. The conclusion by some scholars is that this letter to the Ephesians mainly may possibly be the lost letters of the Laodiceans mentioned in Colossians 4.16. Once you read this letter publicly to the church, Please send it to the Church of the Latter-day Saints and make sure you read the letter that I wrote to them. Other, others believe it was intended for Ephesus as it stands today. Scholars are not sure on this point. It is the only letter Paul wrote that did not contain any personal greetings to Pacific people, since these greetings easily identified the other letters Many now believe these letters were written not only for the Ephesians, but for Christians in the surrounding area too. Mm. The major themes of Ephesians 
is salvation by grace through faith. Paul paints a very bleak picture of who we of who we were before God stepped in to rescue us. We were like we were once like corpses, dead in our sins and offenses. Ephesians two one. Yet he goes on. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. Ephesians two five. Paul makes it clear we don't earn or work for this rescue. Rather, it's God's undeserved favor from the beginning to end. The power of God over all others. One of the leading themes in this letter from heaven is the theme that God's power trumps that of all other principalities, powers, and authorities in this world. For Paul, any threat of the spiritual powers of this world should be seen in light of the superior power of God and the power we have as his children. Christian unity. Another leading theme is Paul in Paul's letters is that the unity that Jews and non-Jews share in Christ. Paul's strong encouragement for unity and love within the body work together to encourage believers to overcome any and all cultural pressures of animosity on the basis of Jesus. Work uniting all believers into one community of people. Christian's conduct. Most of most of most of the chapters from chapters three to chapter six in Ephesians focus on Christians should live, focus on how Christians should live, especially new believers, which is summed up with Paul's appear in Ephesians four seventeen. To not like to not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Paul urges new believers and really all believers to cultivate a lifestyle consistent with their new life in Christ, a life free of drunkenness, sexual immorality, lying, stealing, bitterness, and other ungodly behaviors. Christian identity. One of the major themes of Paul's teaching is the fact that believers are now in Christ, an ideal that impacts every aspect of believers' identity. We exist in a personal, energizing relationship of unity with the risen Christ. This identity is crucial in our ongoing struggle with spiritual darkness and powers. Maintaining Christian unity, overcoming our former lifestyle, and living as God has called us to live. Ephesians, heaven riches. Let's open the door to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul introductions. Dear friends, my name is Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all that devoted believers. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by one, by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. May God himself, the Heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace 
over you and impart total well-being into your lives. That is Ephesians 1, verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. Yes, and let's read that over again. Dear friends, my name is Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus the Messiah. But we know the word apostle is called out. I'm writing this letter to you. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the written manuscripts, the words those who are in Ephesus and older manuscripts to the Ephesians written in the margin. This would reinforce the theory that it is meant to be read and distributed to all the churches. Although the book bears the name Ephesians, mm-hmm, some scholars believe, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, we go back to read over again. Dear friends, my name is Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by one, by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. May God himself, this is the the Passion Translation. May God himself, the Heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Uh Verse 3 is of sonship and the Father's plan. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all because He sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate Him with all our hearts. And in love, He chose us before He laid the foundation of the universe because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it, for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as delightful children through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for the beloved Jesus. For the same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us. Wow, I did not see that in the other book. Right? Let's see, Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 1, verse 5 and 6. So that's one part. Start in verse 5. For it... For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us. And this, unfo- and this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Okay, so we go back to the old-fashioned versions. Uh, 
of Ephesians, and we're going to read this now in the King James Version. Is this the King James Version? Yes. So it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And these are the verses 5 and 6. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. So the same way he loved Jesus is the same way he loved us, brought us into Jesus. This is why some say he no longer sees us, but sees Christ over us. That when we come to him, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. That's why John John and, and 1 John 1 talks about Jesus as we come. He is the light of God. He is God's light come into the world. As that was written in the beginning, let there be light, and there was light. For light dispels darkness. Light casts out darkness. When we go into a dark place and we cut on the light in that area, the light cuts out darkness, but we don't have a bright enough light where we could, we, if so, we couldn't see nothing, that it would shine bright, that would cast out every shadow. Because even in the sun, even if you're walking out sun time, if you go outside in the daytime, there are casts of shadows. But in God, there is no shadow. There is no darkness. So you will not see that it will be a, a pure brightness that's blinding, a pure brightness that shines. This is what Jesus, when he showed himself to Paul on the road to Damascus, a bright light, a pure brightness shine, messed up the other men that was with Paul, knocked Paul to the ground, and that was that brightness. That's who Jesus is. That's who God is. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the three bears record in heaven, and they are one. So this is why Jesus, when he tells his disciples in John 14, when he has to go away, and one asks him, show us the Father. And he tells Philip, how do you don't know me? You've seen me all this time, Philip, and you don't know me? You don't realize that I am in the Father and the Father in me? They are one. Brightness, shine. God is light. Light represents knowledge, understanding. In Ephesians, we come in to grasp that knowledge and understanding of God. Who God is. What God already predestined, foreordained, before time. Foreordained, foreordained, before time. He had already orchestrated us into him, in Christ. Before Adam sinned, we were in Christ. 
Satan in his debacle and getting Eve to to bite the fruit and Adam to submit afterwards. This is why the Corinthians says, uh, Paul in the letter to Corinthians says, it is Eve who was deceived. Adam sinned. He gave in deliberately. Some say he gave in out of love. He gave in out of, I can't save you, but I can die with you, which is stupid, but it was already ordained in, in God's plan because Jesus came and says, I don't have to bite the fruit. I don't have to submit. Because he tells the, the tempter in the, in the wilderness, he tells him, worship God and him only shall we serve. When the tempter tells him, that I think is in Luke 4, when he tells him to bow down and worship me, you know, that he would give him all these things that was given to him, all these kingdoms and everything that man was already given by God. When he said, let us make man in our image, our likeness. He said, our image and our likeness. And we wash over the image part. For we are barriers of Christ's image. Christ is the express image of the Father. Now we bear his image. We bear the image of the Father in Christ. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for knowledge, revelation, knowledge, speaking through us freely from the Genesis to Revelation. You have given us, hallelujah, I love Hebrews. For in many times you have spoke to us in many ways, but now you have compounded the word. Everything block upon block, precept upon precept, from the beginning of time you have taught us that now everything culminates to us in Christ. So this is why he says, at the exact time, at the express time, he bring Christ, that now we are to listen to him. Hallelujah. For many times he spoke to us through prophets of old, but he spoke to us, the prophet spoke to us about Christ, about the one who was coming, about the time when he was coming, about the new covenant. The new covenant, no, no longer will men have to teach another man. My spirit will be in them. My laws, my precepts, my rules, my way will be in them. They will know my way. Jesus said, the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. But you can, if you believe me, that I have come from the Father. And I've come down to do the will, the work of the Father. The work of the Father is one, is to destroy the works of the devil. And also the works of the Father is to testify of the truth. Jesus told Pilate in John 18, this is the reason I was born, to testify of the truth. I mean, to dispel the lie. the lie the lie is that we can be God apart from God Mm. the reasoning trying to understand figure out this life was never meant to be apart 
from the Father. Everything was ordained from the beginning of time. Well, let's get back to Ephesians. Amen, sir. Amen, sir. Hallelujah. And I believe I was reading it in the Passion Translation. We'll go back to it and start at verse 7 now. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. The total cancellation. What is he canceling out? He canceling out all the wrongdoing. The total cancellation of our sins. Right? Forgiveness. This is the, the translation in the passion translation of the, the description. The forgiveness, the Greek word, what is it? Aphesis. The Greek word aphesis meaning to send away or to set free from bondage. The word forgiveness is the Greek word aphesis, right? To set away. Mm -hmm. To set away, right? To send away or set free from bondage. To send away or set free from bondage. Aphesis. Mm -hmm. The Greek word for forgiveness is aphesis. To send away, to set free from bondage. Right? That of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. That is the love of God, right? The Greek words for riches is palutos. is also used to describe God's wisdom and knowledge in Rome. In, in Romans 11.33, just as God is all-knowing and has all wisdom, so he has untold riches of grace available for his children untold riches of grace available to us that we tap in through into by asking we ask yes we have been given all things in Christ but we still have to ask we still have to hunger and thirst after this righteousness to perceive that we desire to do what the will of the father is for us Go back to verse 7. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sin, all because of the cascading riches of his grace, not by us. He says, let's go to verse 8. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, Releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. Now, this is the letter he's writing to the church. Yeah, we said he was sent to Ephesus, but he's writing it to the church. We are the church. Hallelujah. And it says here, go back to verse 8. And this superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us. Releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding and through the revelation of the anointed one and through the revelation of Christ. Christ means the anointed one. The Greek word Christ is the English word translated the anointed one. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Okay. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the Anointed One, He unveiled His secret desires to us. 
the hidden mystery of his long-range plan (laughs) before the foundation of the world, his long-range plan, which he has delighted and implemented from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in heaven and on earth through Jesus Christ. When God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ, through the union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. I can say as his very own inheritance. We have been claimed by God through Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that George Finch, I am a whosoever, and because I believe the Father sent the Son, I have now eternal life. I have eternal life given to me in his presence. The presence of God is the eternity of God. For how can he separate himself from himself? He cannot do that. So when the presence of God comes in, the eternity of God comes in. This is why the gates of hells cannot prevail against it. Not as because it's a church or a building. It's because the church, the light of God in every believer. Hallelujah. Yes, it forms greater. This is why he said one chases a thousand. Demonic spirits to flight. Two can chase ten thousand. Because of the light of God, hallelujah, and I believe one can chase a thousand or a million if that faith in him believe. If he said to a mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea. Now with that faith, there is no doubt in faith because faith is believing totally in who you are in God, in Christ. And when you speak that thing, you speak it and it goes away from you by the authority given to you in Christ. This is our position in heavenly places. We are seated with Christ. So when we speak a thing as the authority given, as one given a power of attorney, hallelujah, that you can execute legally through this natural realm, so now in the spirit, Christ has given us his authority and we are in him. We have now the key he has given us. It is him through faith that we exercise this faith. Mm. Pushing aside everything that does not align itself with the knowledge of God. For he has freely given us all things richly to enjoy. Hallelujah. In this life of godliness. Not in deceitfulness of riches. Not in uh, manipulation. And being conformed to the patterns and the things and the ways of this world. No, 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 no. Super abundantly above all these things. God has freely given to us in Christ. We are seated there. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. We thank you, Father, for the authority you've given us in Christ.
We thank you, Father, that we are set apart, that we are yours, yours truly, and we bless your name, and we glorify you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again, Brother George. What a wonderful teaching. And to everyone, thank you so much for being with us. And please share this podcast. I am your host, Dorothy, and look forward to next time here on Inspirational Cafe. God bless you.